0: Hello and welcome to the parish podcast of St. Anthony of Padua Catholic Church in the Woodlands, Texas. We're excited to share with you Sunday at St. Anthony's, a homily message from this past weekend that we hope you'll find enlightening. Thanks for tuning in and praying with us.
1: A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. At that time, John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone driving out demons in Your name, and we tried to prevent him because he does not follow us. Jesus replied, Do not prevent him. There is no one who performs a mighty deed in My name who can at the same time speak ill of me. For whoever is not against us is with us. Anyone who gives you a cup of water to drink, because you belong to Christ, amen, I say to you, you surely not lose his reward. Whoever causes one of this little one who believe in me to sin, It would be better for him if a great milestone were put around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life made that with two hands to go into Gehenna, into the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life crippled than with two feet to be thrown into Gehenna. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Better for you to enter into kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into Gehenna where there worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
0: At the beginning of the week, when I, as priests, I try to read through the readings and mull them over as we go through the week, seeing what God provides, and I, I read them, and I'm like, God, really? Like, Okay, Father Jesse and I, like, just get here and you drop some of, like, the hardest readings on us. Like, oh, okay, great, we got to preach about hell and and all the other things that you care about. But the thing is, is he cares about it. Because God loves us, that's why he talks about it. And so, too, for love of you, that's why I have to talk about it. And for love of God as well. And just to remember, like, if you're already going, like, oh, this guy's going to talk about hell again. Um, Remember last week's readings? Uh, It said that what the just one, the one who's trying to do justice to God will be, it says he'll be obnoxious. (laughs) I'm going to be obnoxious. Why? The one who's trying to love God with all his heart and all his mind and all his soul and all his strength will call out. The, The point of preaching is to call the people always back to the heart of God. To call them away from the world or as last week's reading said, to reproach them and call out transgressions and as well to teach them like what God really desires, to call out like the the mentalities of this is how we've always done it or that's different than what we've been taught. No, the just one, the one who loves God, will call these things out to try to help the people of God follow God unreservedly with everything. So too, it's very important that we talk about these difficult subjects today, why? Because if we actually take stock of like the times that hell is spoken of in the New Testament, Jesus talks about it more than the entire New Testament combined, God is very concerned with people going to hell. He does not want this. And this is why he warns time and time and time again, like the people, saying, like, be careful, because the road to destruction is wide. The road to hell is wide, and many are going there, he says in Matthew chapter 7. So let's dig in. If we want to understand, like, our readings, um, something that always helps, and this is why I encourage everybody to get a daily Roman Missal. When we get all the scriptures together, and this includes our entrance antiphon, the communion antiphon, which are prescribed for the church, uh, by the church for us today, as as well with the collect, which was talking about how God, his almighty power, like, is shown when he's able to, when we respond to him, pour forth his mercy We can see that he desires, like that's what his desire is. He only calls out hell because he desires to give mercy. So let's give context again that we always need. In the beginning, God made man and woman. He makes them in in his image and likeness, meaning they have the capacity to choose. They have the capacity to choose against him, and he will respect that because he respects himself. He will always do justice to himself. So when they turn against him, When they become, as St. Paul tells us, and actually what Jesus is referencing today when he talks about the worm will not die and the fires will not be quenched, he's talking, that's Isaiah 66, where he's saying, this is what will befall the enemies of God, those who do not choose him in this life. That's what, like, that leads us to hell. It leads us to that eternal separation from him that he does not desire. God, because he doesn't desire, in his almighty power as we prayed and remembered within the collect, became incarnate of the Virgin Mary, became man. Why? So that we would not perish, but have eternal life. So that he could do the perfect reparation for our transgressions. This is what, like, Michael Gormley's been talking about, our faith formation director in, like, the the podcast, whose name I forget, Beyond the Bulletin, um, and in so many other talks lately. He so loved us. So loved you and me that he gave his son, and the son gave himself so that he might enter into death, the thing that we were given because there was a punishment for transgressing against God. So he may enter into death, conquer death, so that if we'll, exercising our image and likeness of God, if we'll repent, believe in the gospel, or like last week said, deny ourselves, take up our cross follow him unreservedly, we might not perish and be in eternal punishment and hell and separation from him, but have eternal life. Again, God wants us to have eternal life. He does not desire anyone to go to hell. Sadly, and this is why he reiterates it more than anyone in the New Testament, many do. Many don't take up their cross. Many don't deny themselves. Many don't follow him. They don't, as he's calling out today, they don't cut out the sins. They don't actively work to cut out sin from their life. And this is what he wants to talk about today. Now, we went a few weeks ago, we talked about all those things that he had that that, that list of sins where he said, like, this defiles you, like all these things. And encourage you, if you don't know, because catechesis has been poor the last 60 years. Like, if you don't know, like a list of mortal sins, and there isn't like a definitive one from the church, um, but like, I'm going to post to Facebook later today, and if you're not on Facebook, your life, you're probably a better human being than me. Um, uh, you surely are. Um, but I'll post something there that's not a comprehensive list, but it's one that we can, we can look through and be like, okay, if these are things in my life, i got to cut them out because God doesn't want me to go to hell. He doesn't want me to be separated from him, but these defile, these hurt my relationship. They kill my relationship with him. Or if you don't have Facebook, again, because you're a better human being, um, go online and like Google, like, thorough, traditional, Catholic examination of conscience. Thorough, traditional, Catholic examination of conscience. When we look through those sins, we can begin to see, like, what we need to cut out. Now, God doesn't have that full list for us today, but what does he point out? Two things are, 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 are shown to us in Scripture. Two big sins, or at least one sin and one very big danger. Scandal, and then the second, which is a danger, is wealth. So let's talk about the first, scandal. Now, this is a technical term. It's not like what you and I are used to, like in the news, like scandal breaks out. No, the term is when we do an evil that leads somebody else into evil, that shows them like bad example. We do sin, a mortal sin, most horribly, like, and that's where God's saying like, this is really bad. Like it could be the sexual sins that, that, that Mary has now, God has sent his mom from heaven like multiple times to said like, the world's going to hell for the six Commandment stuff. Like, a lot of people are going there. Um, But he doesn't want that, and that's why he's saying, like, it's better to cut these things out of your life and go into heaven, like having suffered, than to scandalize somebody, than to sin yourself, but also to lead somebody else to sin. In fact, he makes it so, like, he uses a very, very vivid image. It'd be better that a millstone be tied around our neck, a 2,000-pound stone be tied around our neck, and we'd be thrown into the sea, likely decapitating you and drowning you, than to sin than to lead somebody else into sin. So let's look at potentially what are some of the things he's calling out that he was warning us about. There's at least three categories he seems to talk of. Sins, he says, if your hand would cause you to sin, cut it off. If your feet would cause you to sin, cut them off. If your eyes would cause you to sin, pluck them out. Okay, so we might categorize them like this. Things we do, places we might go, and things we would consume. Things we do, places we might go, and things we consume first things we might do again we try to get rid of all those big grave mortal sins anything the church or Christ in scripture says is a sin gravely sinful we must cut it out because it hurts us it kills us now will this as we try to cut it out an important question we should ask ourselves or at least recognize will this hurt? yes the world like the worldly spirit the flesh in us concupiscence, like a, is opposed to the Spirit of God, it will hurt in the beginning. It will be an absolute battle because there is a battle on for our souls to drag us to hell. God, though, this is why he gives us the sacraments to strengthen us so that when, for instance, if we utterly fail, we have the sacrament of reconciliation to reconcile us again with the Lord. But so too, he desires to give us the sacraments to equip us. This we know is like confirmation in the Most Holy Eucharist. Confirmation is not you choosing like, that I'm going to be a Catholic. That's not, that's a Protestant notion. Confirmation is equipping you for the battle. This is why in the old rites of confirmation, for those who might remember, the bishop slapped you in the face. Said, like, come on, it's time, battle. And then what do we need? We need the food for the battle. The Eucharist, Jesus Christ, God Himself coming into us to strengthen us, to nourish us, to empower us to be conquerors like Him. Then we didn't even scratch the surface of like daily prayer and how essential that is. Still, we want to watch out for the things we do, and as well, of course, what we don't do. And that's where that second reading comes in. Christ, like, if there's any group in all of Scripture, Old Testament and New, that does not get it easy, it is the wealthy. And if we're honest, that's probably all of us. If we look at the world, that's all of us. We will be held accountable for what we do with our wealth. How we personally care for others. Maybe our literal neighbor, when God says love him and our neighbor. Like, maybe there's somebody who's really poor next to us. Maybe a poor in spirit and we need to care for them. But also, too, the poor that are in the world. If you're a business owner, like, are we working in accords with Catholic Social Doctrine? Are we working to create a world where, like, a just wage can be had? Not where it's imposed upon us by the government, but where we, Christians, like, are working to create just wage, which, by the way, means, like, a person could have a one-income household. This is why now we can see why, like, economic systems which value production over people are evil. We can see why inflation would be a bad thing for us because it creates injustices for people in the world. This is why Christ will call out like, the wealthy and tell them um, that it's dangerous to them um, because it, it hurts their relationship with their neighbors. So too, also, as he often points out, like it lulls, wealth lulls us into a false security. It, for, it helps us forget eternity that there will be ramifications for all that we do. Wealth will either corrupt us and draw us away from God or if we're wise with it and we submit it all to Christ, it will help us detach through those charitable givings to the poor and to the mission of the church and it can help save us. The saints actually attest to this. They'll say the only reason God allows the evil of poverty is because it gives the wealthy the chance to be saved. To show their love for God, he who was rich and became poor, they too can do like him. They can give away from the blessings that they have received. Okay, that's enough about that first category of sin and scandalous things. But I'd still encourage us all, which is the point of the Lord's day, one of the things to rest in God, to come to do right worship, but as well to with him examine how are we doing, where do I need to cut out stuff, where do I need to change, Lord? where can I love you better? so that I can, like, live in the life that you have for me. To look at the other two categories, places we go and things we consume. First, obviously, if we're going to any sort of unsavory place, anything that's, again, scandalous, that would lead others to sins, like, wait, I know you're a Christian, why are you going to that bar that has a scantily clad women or whatever? Like, stop. So, too, we have to remember, like, and we always have to talk about near occasions of sin as well. Like, guys and girls, don't spend... Like, if you are not married, don't be spending a bunch of time alone with a person of the opposite sex. Parents, don't let your children, especially underage children, spend time alone with a person of the opposite sex. Guys and girls who are getting engaged or who are dating, don't spend time alone, like away from a public, because it's a near occasion of sin. So often, in the confessional, I hear when my fiance and I were together and then one thing led to another and mortal sin. And if we died right there, hell for eternity. God doesn't want that. And so we need to, as Jesus is pointing out today, like pluck stuff out of our life, get it out of there, make sure that we're not even getting close to like the near occasions of sin. We would, if we used our Sundays better, like, and this is why I I've, I've t- think I've preached about it before here, like we have to make sure we are very careful what we do on the Lord's day related to the places that we go, like this excessive sports culture, which uses, like, all of Sunday to do, like, tournaments and stuff, when, no, it was made for the Lord. To focus on Him. Yes, we can have time with family. Yes, we can have time doing like engaging, fun activities. But it was primarily made for us to rest. To rest in the Lord. To focus on prayer. To reorient ourselves. To allow our hearts to be reordered to Him. So that we can go into the rest of the week. Go into the rest of like the days that are to come. To love Him with more of our heart. And that gets us into as well, again, what that last category of what we consume. This is probably the, one of the most difficult for us as persons in the 21st century. Our world is built for us to consume. It's built for the consumer. Made for us to consume tons of worldly and arguably worthless junk. For us, we are called as Christians like, to watch what we consume. If God was going to maybe like rewrite the Gospels today, he'd say, if that app causes you to sin, delete it. If Netflix, if YouTube, if Instagram account is causing you to sin or bringing you close to the near occasion of sin, delete it. If the news is causing you like anger or the TV is just wasting your time, turn it off, get it out of your house. It's not worth it. If something in your life is not leading you to heaven, if it's not leading you into virtue, if it's not making you holier, it's leading you to hell. God does not want that. He desires our salvation. This is why he preaches about it so often in the scriptures. He desires that all we, all of us be saved, but you and I have to do our part. We have to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him unreservedly with all our mind, with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. The encouraging part is as we start to do this, while I said it would be difficult The encouraging part is as we move through what the saints would call the purgative way purging from ourselves those things which are evil purging from ourselves those imperfect things which don't lead us to heaven eventually like our psalm said like it will bring joy to our heart because as we focus on the holy as we focus on God and doing the good things like the psalm again we will become more free and the precepts of the Lord will become a joy to us as we begin to live the life that he has for us. We begin to live heaven now. Now I'd close with this. I just found out today was uh, priest, or yesterday that pre- today was Priesthood Sunday. And it makes sense. Our readings also deal with another big theme is like God calling people to proclaim the good news, setting apart people to proclaim the good news, to proclaim the truth, to be Prophets. And while the reminder here is that all of you are called to that because that's what the waters of baptism made you, so you're supposed to be obnoxious too, to the world just for clarity. He also calls priests because he wants none of us to go to hell. He made an order. He ordered the universe so that there may be persons who are there to receive the broken hearted, to receive those who are suffering, to receive those who are dead inside. And through his one priesthood, active and alive, to those he's conformed to him, he might save them from the reality of hell. He might, like, again, restore them to life and draw them into holy communion with him. God has... Now, right now, I'm not going to say, like, everybody, all right, sign up your boys. We've got to sign up She in the back. Like, every, all the guys become priests. No, but I am going to say, families, please... Like we need to start focusing on this. We need to start like asking God to raise up priests within our community. I've noticed, I kind of like went back in history, we have like two vocations that have come from our gigantic parish. What's happened? Something is seriously wrong if God is not raising up priests and religious from our community. It shows there's a problem within our hearts, within our families. It shows a discipleship problem. So too, not to just put it all on our particular shoulders, it shows that we have an, a very infectious world that has gotten into our homes and gotten into our families. Like we said, what we consume like, has a way. We live in a very busy and noisy world which drowns out the like, still, small voice of God that's calling to young men, to become priests so that God, through them, can save his people. And so families, hearing the good news today that God wants to save people from hell, my encouragement is make sure you pray in your homes together every day. Make sure you center everything around Christ. Make sure that if things aren't making you holier, get it out of your house. So to foster that environment that strives to love God in everything, from that place he will raise up priests from our families. I would also say young men, young boys that are out there, hopefully you see me not as just a man who's, yes, very serious about offering God right worship, that's very serious about loving him in all things, that's very serious about preaching the truth so that people can be saved. But I hope you see in me a life of joy, a life of happiness. That's so blessed to have been a priest. So often people go to me like, "Father, aren't you sad about what you gave up? Like that you don't have like a wife and kids?" And I go, "No. Like are those beautiful things? Would I love to have them? Yes. But God is true to His promise. What is given up in this life is given a hundredfold. I have you. You are my family." You are whom I love. You are who I get to die for. And I thank God for it every day. It's a glorious life. It's a wonderful life. It's a happy life. Young men and boys, I would encourage you. Ask God if he's calling you to be a priest. Join me in the battle for souls. Join me in saving people from hell. Because God loves And God wants to save. And God wants to bring all into Holy Communion with Him and into the life that He has prepared for us. But people have to know. People have to be told the good news. People have to be told of the reality of what could separate them from His love. People need priests. People people need those who can save souls and give eternal life. Join me. And families, please, let us pray for an outpouring of grace so that many priests may be raised up and many may have eternal life. St. Anthony of Padua.